We're in Matthew chapter number 5 today, Matthew 5, beginning in verse number 38. And uh, we've been working through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And uh, Jesus is talking to religious people and, uh, who have struggled because what they did is they took the Old Testament, uh, many of the religious leaders, and they were twisting it to develop a works righteousness. In other words, I can attain uh, my right standing with God by my own works or by my own actions, and uh, which was never the intent of the Old Testament law. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Old Testament law uh, was given so that we might understand our great need for a Savior. In other words, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when we go to the Old Testament, when we go to the law, that's exactly what we see. Today, we're in Matthew 5, verse 38, and we're going to be talking about living above and beyond. Living above and beyond. You know, oftentimes what happens to us <clears throat> is we get content. And uh, in fact, we have heard the statement made, perhaps we've even made this statement, it's the least that I could do. And uh, oftentimes that is exactly how we live life. It's the least that I could do. Uh, but as a Christian, Jesus is saying in this passage to live above and beyond. When you're talking about uh, the United States Constitution, uh, the, 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 probably the most famous part of the United States Constitution would be the Bill of Rights. Uh, it guarantees our civil rights and liberties to individuals in relations to government. Uh, for example, we have freedom of speech and freedom of religion and uh, just so, uh, so many freedoms that we exercise as individuals and I'm thankful to God for our Bill of Rights and I'm thankful for our rights as individuals. That being said, what we must do as Christians is be careful that our rights, that our individual rights, rob us from our joy that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, this morning, that's what we're going to be addressing. It's a pretty difficult uh, uh, subject to practice when we're talking about uh, what's happening. What we have to do is learn to get beyond ourself and our rights. Oftentimes, we are so wrapped up in ourselves. Uh, in fact, I've heard it said before that those who are wrapped up in themselves make very small packages. Uh, God help us get beyond ourselves to live above and beyond this morning. We've, and, in, and in order to do that, we have got to give up some of our rights that we might say, well, I don't, I, that's my right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says it like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 19 and 20, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so the question that we're going to be addressing today is, how do I respond when I get offended? How do I respond when I get offended? And I know that everybody in this room at some point or another has been offended along the way. We get offended. Maybe even this morning you got offended this morning already. Uh, it happens everywhere we go. Uh, maybe you offended. <laughs> but uh, it's very difficult sometimes to respond as God would have us respond when our pride gets in the way and it gets us into trouble. And so Jesus really is addressing this very subject in this passage of Scripture, Matthew 5, beginning down in verse number 38 to 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. 
Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. And give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And so Jesus is talking about how to respond when we get offended along the way. Living life. You know, usually our actions are governed by three different planes of living. When you're talking about living life, we, we're governed in one of three different ways. We, sometimes you meet people who I would say are, are very wicked people. In other words, what they are and who they are is they're a person that no matter what anybody does to them, you can be as good as gold to some people. You can be loving, you can be kind, you can, you can uh, be selfless in, in engaging them, and yet they respond wickedly. And, and that's a very wicked plane. There's something seriously wrong with that. And I pray today that nobody in this building or online does that. Uh, uh, but then the second way, the second way of living life, but not just wicked, but then a step above that would be naturally. In other words, Jesus said, you know, <clears throat> anybody can live the natural life. In other words, if somebody loves me, I'm going to love them. If somebody's not nice to me, I'm not going to be nice back to them. And, and that's very natural. Anybody can live life that way. And, and in fact, I would even go so far as to say this this morning, that many professing believers, that's the plane on which we live. Therefore, we never really experience the abundant life that we have in Jesus Christ because we never need to depend upon the Holy Spirit of God to do what He calls us to do, to be who He calls us to be. To live a natural life, even a lost person can live a natural life. But Jesus says, I want you to live a supernatural life. In other words, I'm going to call you to live a life that you won't be able to do apart from my enabling and empowering Holy Spirit and dwelling within you. It's impossible. The teachings that he's talking about today, it's impossible to do unless you're empowered by supernatural strength, by the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse number 14, Romans chapter 12, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Anybody having a struggle already? <laughs> to live above and beyond. So Jesus begins this just by basically going back and talking about the law. Remember, uh, uh, they're, they're taking por uh, portions and pieces of the law and they're pulling them out of context and making their own applications so that they can feel good about themselves. And so Jesus says, well, here's the law at hand. Here's a declaration of the law that I'm specifically addressing in these few verses of the Scripture. And so he says this. He says in verse number 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so that, that actually uh, is, is, is a law that's listed in several different places. Exodus chapter 21 and in verse number 24. In fact, let me back up for just a minute because in verse 23, let me pick up there on the, on the overhead, you'll see verse 24. But if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life. 24, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. He goes on down a list. Leviticus chapter 24 and verse number 20. Leviticus 24 and in verse number 20, <clears throat> he says this. Let me back up to 19 once again. If a man injures his neighbor just as he has done, so it shall be done to him. A fracture for fracture, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Just as he has injured man, so it shall be inflicted on him. 
And then in Deuteronomy, chapter number 19, Deuteronomy, chapter number 19, and I'm going to back up once again because I think it's important, especially with this one, to pick it up in verse number 20. The rest will hear and be afraid, and will never again do such an evil thing among you. Thus you shall not show pity, but rather life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And so Jesus is, again, talking about this law, declaring this law, and in every one of the cases, it is in reference to the civil justice system and not personal vengeance. In other words, he's saying, hey, here's how you establish the laws of the land. The laws of the land need to be established. We're not talking about personal vengeance and, 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 and attacking other people because I have been attacked along the way. And so what the law required when you're looking at the Old Testament law, that punishment would match the crime for a couple of reasons. Uh, when you're looking at the Old Testament law, <clears throat> he said, I want to make sure that the punishment matches the crime that's been committed. Number one, because it serves as a deterrent for other people along the way. And so what we have to be careful of is in the law of the land. What we have seen is, is whenever you're talking about, I've heard it said before, that soft judges will make hardened criminals, and that's exactly what happens. That's why the law of the land needs to make sure that we have a law of the land that, that is very much a deterrent for future criminals along the way. So one of the reasons for the law was a deterrent. Number two was to prevent excessive punishment, to prevent excessive punishment. Why? Because we are a people that like to uh, uh, revenge ourselves further and harder than we have been hurt along the way. That's our natural response. That's what we do. And so in God's law, when you're talking about God's law, God's law is really a good law because, number one, it's just. It's just. It's saying, hey, make sure. Hey, an eye for an eye. That's just. A life for life. That's just. That's just. But at the same time, his law, not only is it just, it's very merciful. Uh, because, because as a people, we want to take it a step further, but he limits that. And so God's law is really, really Good. So what was going on with the Jewish people? What was happening with the religious leaders? Well, they were misapplying the law, the misapplication of the law. Same law that we just mentioned, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It was a principle to be practiced in the court of law, but rather what was happening is the Jewish leaders were using it for personal revenge. I will revenge myself. <clears throat> Why? Because the Bible says an eye for an eye. And guess what? The Jewish people aren't the only ones. The Jewish religious leaders weren't the only ones that have ever taken that quote from Scripture and said, that's a biblical principle, an eye for an eye. I'm going to take care of myself. It didn't stop way back then because it still happens today. Revenge, revenge. And we take it a step further. I mean, I think about even in, 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 in silly sports. I mean, in baseball, there are some unwritten rules in baseball. I grew up all my life playing baseball. And if you hit me, if you, uh, if you show me up and you look the wrong way across the field, we're going to get you back. <laughs> unwritten rules in a game. And that's just a game. But in life, oftentimes we do that. We will take and we will seek personal revenge. He started it, I'm going to end it. And we talk about payback. And most of the time, our payback is above and beyond. I heard a story about a man that was called 11 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. Mr. Smith got a phone call. The man on the other end of the line was hollering and screaming. He said, hey, your dog is keeping me up. 
and Mr. Smith was like, man, thank you for calling, appreciate it, hung the phone up. The next night, he waited till 3 o'clock in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning, he called his neighbor back. Mr. Smith called his neighbor and said, uh, sir, I don't have a dog. <laughs> <clears throat> Looking for that opportunity to strike back. And oftentimes, we will strike back with a completely clear conscience because we say, hey, God said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But again, remember, he was establishing the civil law and not a vengeful position for people to take so that they could strike back on one another with a clear conscience. And so he goes and he expands on this. And so he gives them the expectations that he has of his people. In verse number 39, he says, But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. And then he goes on from there. Do not resist. Do not set against them. That's what he's talking about. Uh, uh, remember, he's addressing personal vengeance, and he's saying, don't set yourself against them. Don't look for that opportunity to strike back at a later day. And so we have to be careful because what is he not saying in this passage of Scripture? Uh, because we've got to be careful because he's not talking about becoming a pacifist, and he's not talking about becoming a little pansy. That's not what he's saying, but he's just simply saying, hey, listen, listen, make sure you understand how I'm speaking on this one. Number one, he's not referring to church discipline because in church discipline there were times when Jesus Christ himself, in fact, if you remember the story of Jesus Christ going into the temple and the temple was being abused by money changers and Jesus Christ himself resisted them and he, and he drove them out of the temple. And, and he tells us today, in fact, in, Matt, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and 1 Corinthians, uh, not chapter 13, chapter 5 and verse number 13, the Bible says it <clears throat> like this. But those who are outside, God judges, but remove the wicked man from among yourselves. So when you're talking about church discipline, by all means, resist that evil man. Uh, not on, but not only does it apply to churches or misapply, it doesn't apply to churches, it doesn't apply to government as well. Because when you're talking about government, again, that is the civil justice system. And so in Romans chapter 13, in Romans chapter number 13, and in verses number 3 and 4, the Bible says this, For rulers are not a cause for fear, uh, for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. In other words, God says, hey, an eye for an eye. And make sure that the crime, again, is punished. <clears throat> That's pretty timely. He's not talking about pacifism either because there's some people that are very much pacifist because we say, man, we're just not supposed to resist an evil person. Well, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3 and in verse number 8, there's a time to love and a time to hate. And there's a time for war and a time for peace. So he's not talking about becoming just a pacifist and never resisting people, but rather he's talking again about personal revenge. And he's just simply saying, hey, don't set yourself against them. Don't create an enemy along the way because there's a lot at stake. And so he expounds again. He says, what am I talking about specifically? So he gives us four different areas, four different areas in which oftentimes we are insulted, uh, we get offended, our pride gets hurt along the way. And all of us struggle with these things. Somewhere along the way, we struggle 
with these things. And so he talks, first of all, about the whole personal pride in verse number 39. But I say to you, do not resist, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, <clears throat> turn, the other, turn the other to him also. And, uh, and so when you're talking about turning the other cheek, that is so unnatural. In fact, when you're talking about getting smacked in the face, that is the greatest act of degradation we can ever, ever impose on anybody. To come up to somebody and smack them on the cheek is to inflict great pain on their pride. And he's just simply saying, hey, listen, make sure <clears throat> that you respond in a good way. Make sure you respond as I do respond, and that would be supernatural. And so the question would be, do you mean to tell me that God's just telling me to become a doormat? Well, over in the book of Romans, the Bible says it like this. Romans chapter 12, verses 18 and following. Romans chapter 12, verses 18 to 21. The Bible says this, if possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. What is he saying? He's simply saying this. Sometimes it's not going to be possible. But be careful, but be careful to say it's just impossible to get along with this crazy person. <clears throat> and don't write it off too quickly. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, uh, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, then feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so be careful. Although, again, it's saying, hey, sometimes it is impossible. When I'm uh, assaulted along the way, sometimes it's impossible. I heard a story about a man that was in a restaurant one time. This little man was in a restaurant. He was a little dude. And there was a big man over there. And this big man came up there. And he, he, he just walked up to him from behind and just smacked him in the back of the head. He smacked him upside the back of the head. He said, karate from Japan. And all of his buddies were over there laughing, right? And so the big dude walks back away from the little man, and a minute later, big man came back over there, and he grabbed him up by his shirt and kicked him right on the rear. He said, jiu-jitsu from Brazil. And then all of a sudden, that little man disappeared, and he was so hurt, and everybody was laughing at him, giving him a hard time. A few minutes later, that little man came back in there, and he smacked that big man in the back of the head, and he said, broomstick from Lowe's. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Sometimes it's difficult, but can I tell you, most of the time it's not. I mean, we, I, I'm just telling that to be humorous. Most of the time it's not. Oftentimes what we do with this very verse of Scripture is we start to argue and we start to look for a loophole. That's how we are created. We want to know, does he really mean if somebody comes up to me and smacks me in the face, then I need to turn the other cheek? God help me, God help me to respond as he calls me to respond. Let's just be honest, most of the time, in fact, I've lived life for 53 years and I've never had someone uninstigated smack me. Uninstigated meaning I wasn't stupid, didn't deserve it. It doesn't happen very often. And although we look for loopholes, let's take it a, let's ratchet it down. Let's ratchet it down. My feelings got hurt. Somebody embarrassed me. Somebody humiliated me. Maybe they cut me off in my car and I lost it. 
maybe my waitress or waiter wasn't nice to me, and, and, and they, didn't, they didn't meet my expectations. And so I just lost it on them. And I'm not talking about a physical altercation. I'm talking about when my heart gets not right with God. And I leaked out the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 15 and verse number 1, in Proverbs 15 and verse number 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do you know that most of the time, most of the time, most of the time, we can de-escalate situations with gentle words. Most of the time, we don't want to. Let me, my, one of my heroes, one of my heroes is my wife, and she's not here this morning. Not right now, anyways. <clears throat> my wife was driving down the road, down I-10, <clears throat> and uh, somebody came around her, and when they came around her, they cut her off and flipped her a bird. <clears throat> I wasn't with her. My wife <clears throat> followed them off the interstate. And when they pulled into a gas station, my wife got out of the car. And uh, my wife went over to them and said, Hey, I am so sorry. I must have cut you off or something that offended you, and if I did, I, I please forgive me, because that was not my intent. I'm a Christian, and I would never want to offend you in that way. Lady started crying. That's what Christ is saying. You can be nice to people that be nice, and you've done nothing more than an unsaved person can ever do. But you go the extra mile. You live above and beyond. And when somebody insults you and somebody confronts you and somebody just hits your pride, love them. Love them. And watch what God can do. That's the abundant life. <clears throat> in fact, Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he already said in verse number 9, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. The problem is most of the time we don't want to make peace. You know, Jesus is just simply saying, hey, you are my ambassador. You are my representative. And you've got to always remember that. Matthew 26, listen, Matthew 26, verse number 67. Then they spat in his face. And they beat him with their fists. And others slapped him. At any moment, Jesus could have called thousands upon thousands of angels. Destroyed them. But he didn't. <clears throat> and he's saying, hey, you go do the same. So here's really the question. This is really the question. Is my pride more important than where this individual spends all of eternity? 
And quite frankly, a lot of times our attitude is simply they can go to hell for all I care. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I paid the price and died for them just like I did for you. You love them. You love them. Hey, you don't make that decision in the moment. You don't make that decision in the moment. You make that decision today. I choose to love. I choose to love. Because if you wait till the moment, if you wait till the moment to make a decision, then you're too late. God help us <clears throat> when our personal pride is struck. Verse 40, If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, then let him have your coat also. He's not talking here about just somebody coming and robbing you of your goods. He's saying in a court of law, they've come after you and they want a suit against you and they want to take your shirt. He's saying, hey, give, give, your, give your coat also while you're at it. Why would you do that? Because I don't want to burn bridges and opportunities with other people. And by the way, how many times have we spit in the face of Jesus Christ and he's shown great mercy? Don't burn bridges. Live above and beyond. Maintain relationships with others, even, even when you feel like they're doing me wrong, they're taking advantage of me. He's saying, hey, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. They want to take... So, hey, here's the question. Whose is it anyways? Who does it belong to anyways? So really, is it an assault against you or against the one whom you represent? Our personal liberties, verse 41. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. And that's a difficult one for the Jews. <clears throat> the Roman soldiers, they had the opportunity because of the law, they could force one of the Jews to carry their equipment for at least one mile. And the Jews knew that. And so most of the Jews, most of the Jews knew exactly how far a mile was. They'd measure it off just in case I get asked. I know how many steps for that mile. And so what typically was the case was they would be asked, hey, hey, over there in the red shirt, hey, come over here. I need you to carry my goods for me. And of course, you know, the natural response would be, man, I know you're not talking to me. The soldier would say, hey, get over here. And when somebody treats you like that, everything in you just bristles. You know what I'm talking about. And they would go and begrudgingly pick up the goods and they'd begin to march off and they knew exactly how many steps. Just put it down in a huff and turn and walk away. And that was the end of it. And so you just still have two enemies. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, listen, look at, these, look at these moments as opportunities to magnify me. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. Here's the difference. Hey, you. Oh, man. I'm not here to serve the soldier. I'm here to serve the king. It's the difference. Hey, you. Oh, man. Hey, carry my stuff. Yes, sir, man. And you begin to walk. 
And as you begin to walk, you say, man, what's it like being a Roman soldier? Really? Man, do you got a family? You got, man, are your sons wanting to walk in your footsteps or what? Man, that's, that's crazy. Where were you born? What's Rome like? What, what does it look like? And you just keep walking. And you just keep walking. And when you get up there to two miles, it doesn't really matter. How far are you going, man? You must be wore out. Hey, let me go grab some water. I know there's a well right around here. Let me go grab some water. You go grab some water, man. You bring it back over there. And when your trip is done, that soldier says, you know, I've never met anybody quite like you. I've never met somebody like you. And we could leave it with that and say, man, he thinks I'm a great guy. And unfortunately, oftentimes, that's where we leave it. But what an incredible opportunity to say, well, man, you know, Jesus, he took my load further than I deserved. And I just want to represent him well. And then, you know, he loves you, too. And it's an inroad for the gospel. And it's an opportunity to make a friend. And that's what Jesus is saying. God, help me not be so resentful and so prideful that my pride is more important than their value that my pride would be more important than where they spend all of eternity. And Jesus says, hey, let me use you. Let me use you. Verse 42, he takes it a step further. He says, personal belongings. He addresses personal belongings. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. What's he saying? Hey, does, does that mean, does that, mean that, that anytime anybody comes up to me and says, hey, give me this, that you give it? Well, you know, again, you've got to use Scripture with Scripture. And in fact, the psalmist says it this way in Psalm 112 in verse number 5. Psalm 112 and in verse number 5, the Bible says, It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment, or he will maintain his conduct, or he will conduct his affairs with justice. In other words, what, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, you know how he conducts his affairs? With discretion. With discretion. Sometimes it might not be the best thing to give what I've got. But at the end of the day, if a man has a need, Jesus is saying, make sure you meet those needs. Because at the end of the day, guess what? Everything you've got belongs to me. And you don't have them because you deserve them either. A lot of times we say, man, I worked hard for my money. Who gave you the breath to breathe? Who gave you the clear mind and able body to work? Who gave you the opportunity to work? The first principle in stewardship is recognizing that everything I have belongs to him. And I just want to be a faithful steward. And that's exactly what he's saying. This whole passage of Scripture, when you're talking about this passage of Scripture, I believe could be wrapped up back in Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 3 and 4. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And the Bible says it like this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And he's not just talking about people that you like. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
Jesus is simply saying, I want you to live above and beyond. I want you to live supernaturally. And can I tell you something? It can be done. We have examples throughout Scripture where it was done. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, and yet, in the end of the story, he had opportunity to really thump them, but instead he forgave them. You re read the story. It's a crazy story. Betrayed by his own brothers. David was being chased down by Saul. I mean, imagine having spears whiz by your head. And you have opportunity to strike them. But you don't. You show mercy. In the New Testament, I think one of the greatest pictures of what he's talking about is Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Stephen was being stoned because of his faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And in the midst of his stoning, he magnified Jesus by saying the same thing Jesus did on the cross. He said, hey, Father, forgive these people. Forgive these people. God, help me to live a supernatural life. This life is impossible, impossible, apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Religious people cannot live this life. And I'm just asking the question today, has there ever been a time in your life when you've been born again, to be born from above? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God wants a personal relationship with you. And when we call on his name, his Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence within our hearts. And he will empower us and enable us to do what he calls us to do. And only then do we really ever experience the abundant life. I've heard it referred to as the miracle mile. Why the miracle mile? Because it's in that mile that your light shines the brightest. God, help me to be faithful. Help me to live life the way you call me to live life. Would you do me a favor this morning and join me for time of prayer. And as we pray, I'm just encouraging my brothers and sisters, especially my brothers and sisters in the room, you know where you are before God. And I just want to encourage you today to make a decision that Jesus, come what may, come what may, by your Holy Spirit empowering me, I choose to love. Father, I thank you that you have loved us unconditionally. I thank you for your goodness to us. God, I pray that we would be faithful ambassadors for your name's sake. Oh God, that when others see us, they would see you clearly. Help us live life above and beyond. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray.